All right, firstly, I just want to thank everyone who joined us for the uh, live show, even though I didn't come on until halftime. Uh, <laughs> I, I had an emergency situation. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun thing, and it was, it was fun to break down the game, especially the three of you who were there for the whole game. That must have been – that was pretty cool. And we're still playing around with how we want to do that going forward. But, again, that was, that was a lot of fun for, for me for half of it. But, yeah, I, the cool thing about preseason for me is every – you can watch the game and everyone takes away something completely different or people looking for completely different things. Like some people get all worked up about wins and losses. For me, I couldn't care less about that. Um, the two teams that have gone winless in NFL history in the modern era, Owen 16, both won four and Owen preseason. <laughs> so I don't really care about the results. I care about a couple of things. I care about how the starters look to me last week. We talked about how did the offensive line look? And the big thing to me always is how do the rookies look? And to me, the Seahawks came out of that game, although the, there's a lot of issues with the opponent, but we'll save that for another day. Um, I think they came out pretty good on those three categories. And to me, the biggest thing out of that game was the rookie class. And maybe the first pick didn't look great, but top to bottom, Seahawks haven't had, we've talked about this so many times in the last year or two how the drafting just has faded since 2012, really. And it's it was so refreshing to kind of see top to bottom a class that seems like the one that, that Pete Carroll and John had at the beginning of this program. And, man, that, that was my big takeaway from the game. So we'll start with you, Brian. What did you make out of that game? I know we talked for three hours about this, but yeah. looking back, what what really stood out? Yeah, I think you hit it. Um, the the rookie class, especially, it was interesting. Like, there's an art to watching preseason football. There is like knowing what to pay attention to and what to ignore is is hard. And I don't claim to have <laughs> mastered it at all. Uh, I get excited about guys I shouldn't, and get you know disappointed in things that I I maybe shouldn't as well. Um, and a good example of that, I mean, you mentioned Rashad Penny, um, you know, one of the guys who maybe was a little disappointing that night. We were talking about that a lot. I'm still being very honest, and people on Twitter think I'm, like, anti-Rashad Penny. It's just not the case. I still haven't seen him – I haven't seen him do things that make me believe he's special yet, like, and worthy of the draft value that they – the capital that they spent on him. But, you know, there's some good points about the missed tackles that, that he created, um, you know, and some of the opportunities he had. Um, I think he led the, the team and, and Mr., you know, um, created missed tackles or broken tackles in that game. Um, so that, you know, I think that that's a reason to be hopefully optimistic that, that you know, given more opportunities, he'll, he'll do better. Um, but it's hard not to talk about Rasheem Green. I mean, I think – you know, Nathan did a great article on him, um, breaking down some of the the video and, and his plays. And he's young and don't want to. The competition they were playing against in Indianapolis is uh, a big caveat to all this. But he was winning not with just like blazing speed on the the edge, but he was winning with his hands and keeping the offensive lineman's hands off of him. And that's a lot. I found that to be a lot more rare with rookie lineman than just pure physical get off and, and burst. So um, the fact that he's got some of those mechanics and he's powerful um, and he was productive against both the run and the pass, um, you know, I thought that was really encouraging. Um, so that was probably the biggest one for me. Uh, I also just, 
I'm psyched about Chris Carson. I really, I really see big things for that guy this year. I think he is, he is head and shoulders. I think above, even if Rashad Penny turns out to be a good player, I think Chris Carson is potentially a great player. Evan, how about you? Uh, there were really two players that stood out to me. Number one was Will Disley. I think he was incredibly impressive in, um, you know, he's not he's not super flashy. He's not going to catch like sixty yard touchdown bombs, and he's probably not going to you know put up ten touchdowns a season like a Jimmy Graham type could. But he's going to contribute in the running game. And you know, I pulled up some snapshots from the game uh, on Thursday where you know Ifedi was really messing up and really, that Disley really bailed him out a couple of times. And you know, I was just really impressed with his blocking abilities. So it was awesome to see him contribute in the run and passing game. Um, the other player that su- flew super under the radar was Akeem King. I don't know if any of you noticed him. I know he was Hello. going against um, like second and third stringers for a little bit, um, but I was really focused on his technique, and he was really tight in coverage. There were there were several throws um, in the end zone where he, you know, had perfect coverage on, and maybe even had a chance at an interception if he had turned around his hips or turned around his eyes and and uh he might be a corner to watch actually that might be up and coming in that group um outside of those two shakeem griffin um you know i think he led the game in tackles actually um griffin griffin was just kind of everywhere he needed to be but there were a couple plays where i think he took some poor angles and and i think he'll rectify those issues but i think to answer your question will disley akeem king and shakeem griffin really stood out to me yeah, that's that's another two. That's two rookies you mentioned. That's Brian mentioned Rasheem Green. None of us have talked about Michael Dixon. Jacob Martin looked pretty good. That's a pretty good group, top to bottom. We were saving Dixon for Nathan because I yeah we was going to talk about him. Yeah, we'll, we'll let Nathan jump in here. Uh, I was not going to mention uh, <laughs> Dixon, although in fairness, he did good. Uh, no, I, uh, you guys took all the easy ones. Um, uh, Quentin Jefferson um, was another guy who had a, a big game. Um, it, he's he's a guy that's like uh, not quite as bad as like a Deion Jordan or, or or someone like that, but he needs to stay healthy. But he looked really good out there. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that you know, and, and this path rush did have some issues, um, especially early on. Um, but the Colts were also focusing on, you know, getting luck into a rhythm and he was getting the ball out quick and all that. Um, but it's interesting that a lot of these defensive linemen kind of popped like Jacob Martin, Quentin Jefferson, Rasheem Green, um, after path rush being a, a big problem in camp. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out and what that means when the regular season roll, rolls around. Um, <clears throat> another guy, but in the opposite direction, um, Risu Diambo had some awful awful moments um playing at left guard um looked really bad um i know we're gonna i think talk about the roster a little bit later and he's a guy that i'm starting to wonder if he if he makes this team that's i think that's totally fair and and um you know another guy that that we should mention that was playing really well from this rookie class um was jamarco jones uh I'm curious how big of a deal, you know, you guys think uh, that injury is. Assuming it's not a break, what we have, the latest we know is it's not a break. 
what Pete Carroll described in the press conference as, uh, you know, ankle sprain, a really legit ankle, high ankle sprain, um, you know, and in Pete parlance that seems to indicate he's going to be out a while. Um, so Evan, I know that was a big deal. What's, what's your, what's your take there? I'll be honest. I don't think people are freaking out enough. <laughs> I, I'm freaking out. I, I, I viewed him as a big insurance policy. If Dwayne Brown went down or maybe if he even beat out Jermaine Ifedi for that right tackle spot, you know, Ifedi is compete was competing with battle and it looked to be Jamarco Jones at that right tackle spot. And both of those guys went down. It looks like battle might end up being okay. It looks like, um, but we really don't have a time frame from Pete on Jamarco Jones yet. So I, I don't know if a really bad ankle sprain means eight weeks away. I don't know if it means out for season. I'm not really sure, but uh, it's really concerning to me from a depth perspective, because if Dwayne Brown goes down, um, who's your left tackle? I, I'd actually feel sort, I would feel sort of confident with Jamarco Jones being put at left tackle. I'd, I'd be, I'd be optimistic about it, but um, with with that injury, I guess the ha- glass half full perspective is at least he's not counted out for the season yet. But the whole situation just sucks. Yeah, and the one rookie none of us have talked about yet is Trey Flowers, and he he had a pretty impactful part of the game. He started a cornerback. Byron Maxwell's not is down right now. Dante Johnson's coming back from an injury. Trey Flowers, he's, if he's not in position to start, he's in position to play a lot this year. So, Brian, what did you make of his first start? Did you see enough to get excited, or is there a lot that you're still worried about? Um, for me, the, there's the, there's a steady the, – the pot's not boiling yet on Trey Flowers for me. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a roll. You know, it's, it's warming up. I, I think he, he's done a nice job of staying on top of – um, the receivers so far, I, from what I've seen in camp, I had, I, I, you know, to me, he is not a natural, like I'm hearing a lot of things from Ken Norton jr. Um, and Pete being very effusive in their praise of him, which is great. They're clearly giving him opportunity, um, high up in the depth chart. I think that's a good indication. It's just not as obvious to me yet. So that that's my view. Like I, I think he's a guy that I'm like excited that it looks like unlike, you know, a Mike Tyson or an Eric Pinkins that they took as safeties that they converted to cornerbacks and it just clearly like it just wasn't working. Flowers looks like it could work. So that's I think a really encouraging sign. That's a that's like a huge step. There's another step beyond that that I feel like a lot of people are talking about him as you know, our next great corner and he's going to be a starter right away. I think we're in trouble if he's starting right away um, this season. I, I think, uh, you know, there's reason that, that they're going to need a Byron Maxwell or the guy that I'm really hoping plays this weekend and, and shows something is Dante Johnson, uh, the guy who started all last year for the 49ers and, and we have not yet seen play for the Seahawks. And Johnson got snaps at right cornerback this week in practice. I, I agree. I'd like to see him. There were rumors about Cromartie having a workout with Seattle last week. He told Josina Anderson that it went really well, but since then it hasn't been much. So it seems like Flowers, Maxwell, Johnson, those are the guys you're looking at in the right cornerback battle. Nico Thorpe's still down. Akeem King look, did look good, but I don't see him getting into that mix quite yet. So, yeah, Flowers is a guy you got to watch real closely, and we'll get into the Chargers game a little bit later. 
But sticking this Colts game, Nathan, you dug into the film. I want to know your thoughts on the offensive line. They didn't play. The starting offensive line didn't play very much. But are you encouraged at all, or did you see anything that really jumped out to you, or was it just them overmauling or overmatched against a pretty much a terrible defense? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I saw Odiombo looked really bad. He was one of the few guys I really like zoomed in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had uh, Roos had um, a couple bad moments, um, but it, it wasn't impressive. Um, I mean, Jones played okay, Fant played okay, um, but you know, this is a team that's going to have one of the worst defenses in the league, and you know, it they didn't show off in in, in any way. So um, I think overall, like some bad moments, some bad plays, um, but just kind of worrisome that like they weren't able to, they weren't able to put something better together against that team. And what about what about you, Evan? You're Mike Solari's biggest fan in Seattle, so I mean, I'm sick of the negativity, man. I, I okay. So all these people, when we start talking about positive things with the Seahawks during preseason games, people are like, uh, it's preseason and they're playing the Colts. Well, would have would would you have rather them play poorly? Like, would you have rather them not score a touchdown on the first track? Would you have rather them look like a Tom Cable offensive line? Would you rather have them not give Russell Wilson a tarmac in pass protection? Like, what do you want? Like, the offensive line looked great. They looked in sync. That's what you want. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Yeah, what I think great is a, a pretty big stretch. I, I don't know that they looked great at any real point. The the starters looked okay. The starters didn't look bad. They didn't look overwhelmed. They were able to get some stuff going um, pass protection-wise. You know, Carson looked good. So in terms of the starters, like, there's no complaints there. But if you're starting to look beyond that and you're looking at the depth, then it got pretty shaky. Pretty oh, no, fast. totally. And I, I want to yeah. clarify that. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think the depth thing is an issue, like a big issue, especially with the injuries that came out of that game. But I think uh, I think the starters looked really good. I really do. It was yeah. cool to see those the screenshots of those pockets. What was the yeah, last time you saw? Yeah, Evan was tweeting some of those out, and and I think, you know, I, I will I will agree with Nathan on two parts. One, like I, I I did not think the backup line looked very good. Number two or number three, I thought they looked pretty poor. I thought that for me it was one of the takeaways is that the depth on the offensive line is looks pretty scary to me, um, especially with Jones being out. I think Jones is a guy that was really rocketing up the charts. I think that's a huge injury. And we'll talk about when we get into the 53-man roster piece, I think it's going to be pivotal to how they form their roster. I got my fingers crossed that they're going to figure out a way to bring him back this year, but there's a chance that they won't. Um, but the starting line, yeah, they – I I would be hard pressed to say that that line didn't look significantly better than you know at any time last year during the regular season for whatever that's worth um, you know and there was some encouraging signs there it was one series so yeah uh, you know it's okay to say they did their jobs uh, there's no massive breakdowns and let's see more of that consistently the guy the guy generating a lot of buzz out of the, the, the Seahawks organization I John Klein's been talking about him all week on radio is DJ Fluker Sweezy 
Sweezy is a guy that we all thought maybe could get into this competition. He's having trouble practicing right now. He's banged up. I didn't obviously one series. You're not going to see much at a fluker, but it was kind of cool seeing him get out to the second level and some of those blocks. And the big thing with him is going to be pass protection. But he he looked he looked interesting. He's a he's a player that's going to be uh, probably a lightning rod all year because he's probably going to whiff on pass pro and. You're going to see him make some mauling blocks in the run game, but it was kind of cool seeing him just get out there and create some of those holes for Carson. And then there was that fourth and one. He ran right behind him. So that that was pretty encouraging to me because we all know Dwayne Brown's probably going to hold up well. Britt will probably hold up well. We're all crossing our fingers on a Fetty, especially now that Jones and Battle are down. But that, that fluker stood out to me, even though it was just one series. What about Fant? I mean, I. There's one play that stood out in my mind on Fan. I'm curious, Nathan, if or, or Evan, if you guys looked more at it um, uh, afterwards. But there was a play where I mean, he was playing left tackle, and the guy beat him off the snap and was coming around the edge, had a step on him, and Fant was able to. His arms are so long, and he was able to, you know, just extend his arms, recover, and basically harmlessly push the guy uh, around the pocket, and he wasn't able to make a play. That was that was impressive to me because he was beaten on one hand um, and was able to recover uh, just based on natural physical ability, uh, the length of his arms and, and those pieces that you can't really coach necessarily. Um, I didn't see as much other things. And in fact, I think I saw at least one other play where he didn't look so good. But I'm curious if you guys saw more of him or what you thought about his play. Yeah, I don't know if I saw that play exactly, but I – there was at least one play where I, I had a similar thought where it was just like, boy, he's long as hell. Like, and that counts for a lot. Right. Um, overall, I, I didn't think that fan really stood out too much one way or the other, but he did look solid. I mean, he's coming back from that injury. So um, tackle depth is always nice, but to me, he didn't really jump out one way or the other. I, I should say uh, I spent a lot more time, the offensive line is not one of the things I actually really dug into a whole lot this time around. I looked at like uh, Reese. I went and watched him a little bit, a couple other guys, but uh, overall, um, spent more time looking at different different parts of the team. Did you guys hear the the comment um, Chris Carson made in the post game show? I can't remember who was interviewing him, but asked someone asked him about what it was like to to run, um, you know, behind this line, and is it different and he said, um, I don't want to make too much out of it, but he, he said that there were, it was nice running behind, they talk about the Solari scheme, that there were multiple holes to choose from. And it wasn't, I don't think it was, the impression I got was not that he was saying, hey, the guys are blocking and creating more holes, but that there was more choice for the running back in terms of where they were to go, as opposed to maybe with Cable, there was a lot more pressing, 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 and waiting for the specific gap that was designed to be there um, to, to trust and to, to go with it. Um, I'm curious if, if we're going to see a little bit of uh, difference there in terms of you know, how the running backs are, are, are playing behind the line, behind the scheme. I mean, that's interesting because in zone blocking, you have options, right? You can either bounce it, you can hit it where you're supposed to hit it, or you can um, cut it back in. Um, so it's weird that – who knows what Cable was te- coaching these guys, right? Like, I mean <laughs> – uh, so maybe, you know, maybe 
cable was really particular about what you did and didn't want you taking some of those options. But like, I don't feel like that should be the case that, you know, in zone blocking, you should have those opportunities. And so it's probably just a question about emphasis that cable put on these guys. And one of the knocks on cable from players who had played for him and guys who had dug into film is that it was really easy for the defense to know what they were doing schematically. And I wonder if that impacted just how the amount of holes are on the field because they could read the play based on the formation almost. I remember Warren Sapp was going when him and uh, Cable were together in Oakland. That was a big issue for them because he said in practice they knew what they were doing every single time, and that was all scheme related. This is when Evan takes a moment and just feels, says thanks, gives thanks for uh, the lack of Tom Cable. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Tom Cable is not here to ruin our lives anymore. And, And every day I celebrate that fact. Every day I toast to that fact. I'm ecstatic. Do you do you, do you guys see Chris Warren and uh, uh, Marshawn in that last game, though? They looked pretty good running the ball. I believe the 60-yard touchdown was a holding penalty, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So that's probably a cable fundamental technique issue <laughs> that needs to be addressed there. I mean – didn't we see these guys come out and look better in the preseason like every year? Like, I know there was a year that we got excited for George Fant, and last year it was like, oh, are they finally going to have the a decent offensive line, right? Like, I mean, this is a Tom Cable special too that, you know, they come out and they, they look good in the preseason, and then when teams actually start to game plan for you, maybe things get a little different. Yes and no. The, the, the big thing watching the first preseason game every year is they look disastrous on the offensive line. Like, there was a couple of years ago against Denver. They, were, they looked as bad as I've ever seen an offensive line look. And every year we're just hoping for like a semblance of functionality. Even just when talking about this 53-man thing, I looked at last year's opening day line. It would Riso Diombo at left tackle, Luke Jokel at left guard, Afedi at right tackle, Ode Abushi at right guard. That is a bad, bad group. That's four backups, probably. So at least this year they've upgraded to potentially two to three actual NFL starters. So I guess that's pretty good progress. Yeah. I was kind of curious. I don't know um, if you guys had a chance to look at the article I wrote comparing the position groups from this year to last year. And like who actually got um, got snaps, but yeah, I mean that, it reminds me of that, Jeff. When I was looking at the offensive line, um, you know, Luke Jokel. I mean, guy's not in the league. Um, how is that though? Like, I know he's bad and all, but like Jamarcus Webb's in the league. How is Jokel not in the league? I I have a take on Luke Jokel. I think we should. Re- I think we should re-sign him for depth purposes, at minimum. At that minimum, I. I mean, come on. What's it's a camp body. What? What, Brian? You look so. <laughs> oh, so bothered by that. I mean, we paid him for three years worth of service. He should come back and play for free, if anything. He should pay us probably for probably. making us watch him. No, they didn't pay him three years. He got a one-year deal, right? One year... No, he's he's saying, like, we paid him three worse, like, three years worth. Seven million dollars or seven right. and a half eight, or whatever. Eight, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was, like... 
that was like playing Ferrari prices for, you know, a Yugo. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it was really unfortunate. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not interested in bringing a veteran low upside um, guy that's going to block any potential of improvement and has injury issues and uh, not interested, not interested. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, I'm curious if they choose to keep even Fluker and Sweezy. Um, do you guys wonder if there's a chance they're going to pick one veteran at the guard spot and whoever starts gets it and whoever doesn't is is shown the door? Brian, stop it. I'm wondering. Stop it. So, oh, like cut? Yeah. They both look so... Okay, hold up. Sweezy, people... Well, finish that sentence. They both look what? Sweezy hasn't stepped on the field, dude. I know. <laughs> that's why I quickly backtracked in my uh -huh. head because I knew I would get crucified for that one. <laughs> um, no, but I think... I I like what we, ha what we have at right guard. You know, DJ Fluker is cheap as hell. Sweezy is cheap, cheap as hell. They're not taking up any major salary cap space or anything like that. Um, if one goes down... It, it's just an insurance policy. I, I really like who did the who did the cutups of um, Sweezy with the Bucks? Was it somebody from the Athletic? Was it Sam Gold or Ben Baldwin? I don't I don't remember who did was it. Was it Coleman? Maybe. I think it was Sam Gold. Maybe it was Sam Gold. I think, I think Sam did too. Yeah. And he looked so good in pass pro. He was like, "This guy's a new player." Post Tom Cable. Interesting how that works, by the way. So it's like. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, based off of you know, he he had really an injury plague time with the with the Bucks. So I think if he can be healthy, I think he will probably be the starter at right guard. Wow, that's a bold take. I mean, well, I'll be honest. I'd be if he's healthy, I'd be shocked if Sweezy isn't the starter at right guard. Really? Yeah. You spent all offseason going off about how. Great DJ Fluker is, <laughs> and the dude that's practiced for like half a practice is suddenly going to take Fluker's job. Did you did you see Samuel Gold's breakdown of of Jr. <laughs> Sweezy in Tampa? Oh my gosh! It, it looked good. It looked it was good. Impressive. Yeah. Admit it, Nathan. You're optimistic about him. No, I agree. I, I think he probably should take DJ Fluker's job if he's healthy. I just. Uh, all right. So. Because, again, um, cold water. So, uh, first week, uh, first preseason game, 2017, Seahawks, 48, Chargers, 17. They didn't run too well. Davis had eight carries, 4.1 yards per carry. The rest of the backs didn't too, do too well. But then next week, they beat the Vikings. Uh, Vikings, a very good defense. Alex Collins rushed for 5.8 yards per carry. Mike Davis rushed for 6.2 yards per carry. Chris Carson four and a half yards a carry against the chiefs the next week jd mckissick seven carries for six and a half yards chris carson eight carries for 5.8 yards uh, a carry and eddie lacy four carries 5.3 yards per carry yeah the Seahawks were fourth in the nfl and rushing last year in the preseason in the preseason this is what they do i, I feel like this is a common thing so to, to, but they did in 2015 like they were one of the worst offenses in preseason and then were one of the one best. Of the worst offenses for about eight weeks of the season, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then became, you know, one of the best. Yeah, uh, Drew, Drew Nowak, the Drew Nowak era. Yeah. I, I, Brian, 
I, I got to attack you on this one. Can you explain your logic, your reasoning for that? Why, why is, you know, assuming there's no health issues, why would Fluker or Sweezy be cut? I just, are you not seeing the potential? Are you not seeing, I, I don't know. What are you saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm raising the question because they've done some really unexpected things. Um, so this is me trying to like anticipate them. This is not me saying, oh, yeah, this, we, no, they this is not you saying like, this is what they should do. Yeah. It, okay. They ha they treat veterans on this roster in a really odd way. We've seen this like where they don't tend to really keep a lot of veterans around. They prefer to keep young players. And if there's close to even, they'll keep, they'll keep the, the younger player in a lot of those situations um, because they see that person is kind of growing and, and developing past where the, the veteran is. And so if it meant, for example, that they had to put someone you know, on the street in order to keep a veteran that was going to be a backup, there's a chance in my mind that, that they would say, you know what, you know, we'd rather keep the young player around and we're going to let the veteran go. Um, and especially, you know, Fluker, Fluker and Sweezy both have different injury questions, but if, you know, that's another factor, if, if they can't rely on this person to actually be available as well, um, that might play a role. I, I don't think it's likely, and I, I hope they're both, both around, but, um, you know, there are some rumors that I don't know how credible they are, that they're also looking at at least trying out Richie Incognito. Um, and uh, he, Richie Incognito liked and retweeted a tweet from uh, someone on, on Twitter about hoping that he was going to join the Seahawks. So um, anyway, we'll see. Uh, I have similar questions about other veterans on the roster and other places that are probably more likely to be at risk. But yeah, I brought that one up. Okay, so that's that's a good way to transition into probably our best segment of tonight. Um, 